Hey, it's Drex from This Week Health Cyber and Risk Community, and I want to invite you to our next webinar. It's going to focus on what else? Defending health data. I'll be chatting with experts from Rubrik and Microsoft. Register right now at thisweekhealth.com slash rubric webinar. That's all one string, R-U-B-R-I-K webinar, thisweekhealth.com slash rubric webinar. See you online soon. Today on This Week Health. All the external factors, temperature, humidity, food, you can't as a human figure that out for each patient. But now that we've had OpenAI's release, you as an individual have basically that feedback on a daily basis. Welcome to Newsday, a This Week Health newsroom show. My name is Bill Russell. I'm a former CIO for a 16 hospital system and creator of This Week Health, a set of channels dedicated to keeping health IT staff current and engaged. For five years, we've been making podcasts that amplify great thinking to propel healthcare forward. Special thanks to our Newsday show partners, and we have a lot of them this year, which I am really excited about. Cedar sinai Accelerator, ClearSense, CrowdStrike, Digital Scientists, Optimum Healthcare IT, Pure Storage, SureTest, TauSite, Lumion, and VMware. We appreciate them investing in our mission to develop the next generation of health leaders. Now, onto the show. All right, it's Newsday and Happy New Year. And we're recording this in December, but it's gonna be Happy New Year by the time this airs out on the channel. And today I am joined by one of my favorite, I call you a CTO, Chief Technology Officer or Innovation Officer or whatever. Charles Boise with ClearSense is joining me. Charles, Happy New Year and welcome to the show. I think this is the first time I've ever said Happy New Year a month in advance. Well, happy New Year to you too. Charles, we try to stay ahead of the curve here. And, and, you know, that's <laughs> very forward thinking. Bill. Very forward thinking. Actually, I think if you blink, it's going to be January 6th anyway. It's just right around the corner. We're going to do something we do every year is we take a look at the predictions. So you and I are going to take a look at some of the prediction articles that are already out there. You had a mentor or a person. We did this once before on the show where you said we had to give like different categories to different things. Oh yeah. Sure. Yeah. I can't remember exactly what it was, but let's, let's but give was, a special category to something. Yeah. Yeah. It was like, uh, is this fiction or if it, is it? Oh, real? Yeah. That was like a truth or dare thing. Yeah. 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 It was fun. All right. Let's see. Where should we start? This one will have a little bit of a vendor spin on it. It's Phillips has a uh, blog article from November of this year, 10 healthcare technology trends for 2024. And can you guess what the number one is? For them, maybe home monitoring, monitoring oh, in the home or no. home health. Oh, Actually, yeah. I'd be shocked if it's not the number one for all of these. It's AI-powered yeah. workflow automation and optimization. There you go. Not really a surprise. As healthcare organizations are faced with persistent staff shortages, they are adapting their workforce strategies to attract and retain talent, offering more flexibility, so forth and so on. Increasingly, they are also turning to automation and AI as a way of accelerating routine tasks and measurements to alleviate the burden. So let's go beyond the prediction AI is going to be big in 2024. AI was big in 2023, so that's not much of a prediction. How how much progress, this time next year, you and I are going to be on a show, we're going to be talking. How much progress will AI make in healthcare next year? Yeah, Bill, I think we'll see the continued success in the call center environment and information regarding the healthcare system. Patients need to understand who the providers are, how to get appointments, prescriptions, all that good stuff. I think we're going to see more advances there 24-7 now with, with the technologies that, that we have. I like that they've married AI and automation and work yeah. automation. Yeah, we used to... 
Bill, we used to call this robotic process automation, but it has a new name, which is fine. But there's a little bit better technology around that. And yes, some of these things can be automated. But I think the real measure of success is for those that are partnering with the healthcare systems to really understand what the goal is. And it's not what we did, Bill, when we gave the developers our charts and said, hey, make me an electronic record just like this. And we handed off the, the charts and they gave us exactly what we asked for. That technology combined with a with a reimagination, if you will, or redoing the workflow will be successful. Those will be the successes. Those that try to automate things that aren't working very well right now, it's going to be worse. Yeah. So clearly every IT project continues to be an operations project. It is interesting to me because I think the first iteration of things that we are seeing is just layering AI and workflow automation on top of existing processes. And this is the trap that we're all going to fall into is, hey, we can make this process better. Like we can make a better buggy for the horse-drawn carriage. Like it's going to be more aerodynamic. It's going to be faster. It's going to be whatever. But at the end of the day, it's still a buggy. We, we now have automobiles. We didn't need a better buggy. And I think this year we're going to see a lot of automation of buggies throughout healthcare because it, it clearly it's, it's a kludgy, clunky, thrown together thing. But I think as we enter 2025, I'm already doing my 2025 predictions, but as we enter 2025, I think we're going to see more of what you just said, which is reimagining things. Hey, now that we've used this stuff for a year, I could see a completely different and better way really approaching this problem using these new technologies and new processes as a foundation rather than as an adjunct to what we already have. You'll have to accommodate. I'll give you a quick analogy. You mentioned buggies to automobiles. You know what the industry that was hardest hit when we made that transition was the buggy whip industry. They were pretty much wiped out. And what did they transition to? They transitioned into leather seats for those automobiles. So I think we got to take that and kind of those things that drop off, we got to turn it into something else. Buggy whips to, ver to leather seats for the automobiles. Interesting. Their second one is virtual collaboration, addressing staff and expertise shortages. We're seeing, I think virtual nursing is the most yeah. prevalent conversation that I'm having with people when I delve into this, hey, how is medicine changing? How are we addressing staff shortages and that kind of stuff? This, is, this isn't as much a prediction as just telling you what's already really in motion right now. And there's a significant amount of momentum around this. We're taking advantage of the experience, not losing the experience of people that maybe don't wanna do the physical aspects of nursing at the bedside, but you don't want to lose that. And so they are coaching the next generation from afar via tele-technologies and remote technologies. Plus, again, we're adding some AI, some computer vision and stuff on top of this. We're creating new models for delivering care. And again, I, I'm knocking this a little bit, but this will be big in 2024. It's a prediction of what's really already moving at a pretty good clip right now. Yeah, and my colleagues, my nursing colleagues that are doing this work really love doing this. And again, there's nothing bit more enjoyable than mentoring newbies at the bedside and whatnot and be able to help them. And more importantly, the technology combined with these experienced nurses, you get ahead of things a lot quicker than we did in the past. It's like a combination of AI, ML, nurse situational awareness and the ability to treat it going on. This one's interesting. Integrated diagnostics supporting multidisciplinary collaboration. It's a lot of words, but essentially what they're saying is, hey, we're collecting sensors and, and we're bringing these huge data sets together. We have digital pathology, we have genomics, we have just straight up sensors all over the place now. And what they're saying is there's going to be either a new field or a field that really has healthcare specialists 
that are looking at this data and bringing it together and finding new things, finding new ways of doing diagnostics, finding new relations and correlations between the data and the d diseases. You've played a lot in this space. What are your thoughts on this? Yeah, the burden on a single individual or a single team is, is great, but having the technology that brings in all the data from, again, like you, you mentioned, sensors that we're used to working with, sensors external, this doesn't play just for an inpatient or a patient coming for a visit or for a diagnostic. This also extends into the home bill. That's why I said in the beginning that my prediction is we're going to see a continued shift towards doing more in the home environment. But yes, putting all this together in a single environment with a little bit of assistance, say, hey, pay attention to this, pay attention to that, Get getting to differential diagnoses and so forth and getting to a treatment plan much quicker and much to be able to execute it, evaluate it, and make core course corrections much timelier than we had been doing in the past. Let me ask you this. Yesterday, I interviewed Mickey Tripathi, ONC, head of healthcare technology, and he and I talked a lot about interoperability. We talked about 21st century cures, and it's been a long time coming. The TEFCA is now in place. Some of the penalties for information blocking are now defined and in place. Will interoperability materially change and the patient experience for accessing data and, and even uh, clinician to clinician experience of accessing data, will that materially change now that these things are in place going into 2024? Yeah, it'll continue to get better, Bill. Will it do some really abrupt change? How did we get the medical records in, in place, electronic medical record? We yeah, then it took a long time. Yeah, but we paid people and then we beat them up if they didn't do it. <laughs> a little bit of care at first and a big stick at the end usually works for us, unfortunately. Yeah, interoperability is one of those things we've been watching for a fairly long time. And the anticipation is that we're going to we're going to be able to move this forward pretty rapidly now that these things are in place. But I think even Mickey sounded a, a cautious tone of yeah. this is foundation. The QHINs give a massive ability to move data. And one of the things we ended up talking about a fair amount was public health. He's, I, people aren't going to see this, flat out see this. It'll goes, be behind the scenes. That's yeah. going to be one of the bigger things that we're immediately, we're going to be better prepared for the next pandemic. During, during the pandemic, we were trying to move information to the state, then move it to the federal level, then move. And I won't say everything broke, but a lot of things broke. Like it just didn't move. Bill, over 10 years ago, smart on fire. Boston Children's pediatric growth chart within the EMR. Yep. Yeah. So it's all there. We just need to make it happen. All right. We're going to move away from Phillips. Let's see. This one looks generic. This is a LinkedIn. Somebody posted telehealth and remote care will improve AI machine learning. So this is pretty general. I'm going to go on to the next one. Technology enabled personalized and preventative medicine. We've, we've talked about personalized medicine for a while now. What's required for us to get to 2024, where all the information about me is there, we're essentially processing it, and now we're starting to deliver a much more personalized care plan for Charles or for Bill, as opposed to a population. Bill, I still think it boils down to this, the ability or inability to bring in all of the data that's generated external to the healthcare environment. Everything that's going on in your 24-7 daily life, all the, I call it exposome, all the external factors, temperature, humidity, all pollen count, traffic, food, social determinants, as we call it, all that data together 
you can't, as a human, figure that out for each patient. It doesn't make any sense. But now that we've had the first anniversary of OpenAI's release, I think you can see more and more technologies improve so that you as an individual, me as an individual, have basically that feedback on a daily basis. But more importantly, that information combined with the clinical information, proper care plan can be created for us. Bill, I just came back from India where we've embarked three years ago on a global food bank that we'll be releasing in 2024. Food is really number one. You have to take care of those the food issue first. Now, I'm not going to say nutrition because nutrition is a whole different thing, but food, the, the right kind of food, processed food versus organic food and so forth. But I, I think that 2024, I'm not going to say by any means that we've, we'll have fixed it, but we'll make more and more progress there. Yeah. We're going to get to security in a minute. Let's see. Next one I'm going to look at is Gartner. So Gartner has a handful of insights that they're putting out for 2024 around healthcare. This is just three pretty quick ones. Staffing challenges are a big concern for healthcare organizations. Let me see when this was written. November 20th. All right, so staffing, 36% availability of skilled workers, 35% supply and general cost, 32% competition in the medical industry. This is the top three external factors shaping healthcare business goals today. Insight number two is most healthcare organizations take three to six months to purchase new software and review reviews play a key role. And insight number three, security is a top priority for healthcare organizations. All right. So these are worth breaking down a little bit. Staffing challenges. So we have, we've had a staffing issue, primary care, nursing, whatever, for a decade now, but it became very acute over the last let's call it 18 months. It feels to me the healthcare systems I'm talking to have gotten in front of it, or not say this differently. They haven't gotten in front of it. They have stemmed the impact of the extreme nature of it because we had a ton of traveling nurses and all this other stuff. It was just costing them so much. So I feel like they've gotten in front of that aspect of it. They've figured out a way to control the costs, control the, the aspects, but this staffing challenge isn't going away. What's the role that technology is going to play? We've talked about some of it, but what's the role technology is going to play to address these staffing challenges? Yeah, I think it's, Bill, I think it's really unburdening the clinicians in, in ways that we may not have thought about. Can I present a nurse into shift note that she can edit really quick or accept it? Yeah, absolutely. That takes, you've got whatever the number of patients is, ICU two, one to two on the floor, maybe up to five plus, depending on what state you're in. Those kinds of things, making sure that nurses and others aren't hunting and pecking for things. Again, the workflow within the electronic medical record, cleaning that up a little bit, stopping this crazy documentation of documenting every single thing that you think of, as opposed to Florence Nightingale said it better than anybody else, document if you must, but only document that which is required. No more, no less. So I think that's something we got to look at too. I think there's a lot of things we can do that make sense that are basic and whatnot before we start looking at technology to solve everything that we've got going. But again, there is an adjunct of uh, nature of technology to, to help. Let's not implement and let's not push technology on people if we haven't really thought it well through. And we haven't demonstrated that it is going to make things better and not. That's interesting. I wonder if we were to start Greenfield, like we were starting a new health system how would we do this differently? And how would we approach it? Bill, I think that you're going to see, and I said it again, in the UK, they're going down this track. There's going to be more care being delivered in the home. From a recruitment perspective, especially for nursing, they're finding out that nurses would much rather do a shift, a 12-hour shift, a couple blocks away from their home, and then they go home. 
we have the technology that allows for that. With the advent of 5G and then eventually 6G, we can do that. The bandwidth is there. The prioritization is there. So I think that's something you'll see more and more of in 2024 is more and more being accomplished in the home. I'm going to marry the second prediction here with, so Gardner's second prediction, most healthcare organizations take three to six months to purchase new software and reviews play a key role. And they go into the reviews. I don't think that's all that important right now, but the Sachin Jane did an article in Forbes and he talks about mega mergers. He talks about medical advantage growth slowing down, but he goes into this startups will vanish and be replaced by new ones. And one of the things I'm hearing as I'm talking to money people, private equity and VC and whatnot is how hard the sales process has become with the U.S. healthcare system. It has slowed down significantly. The decision-making process is even slower. If that is possible, it's even slower than it was before. And the other thing that I'm hearing about this is that essentially because the process is taking so long and because of the sales process that a lot of these startups, a lot of the organizations that were planning on selling into healthcare providers are now pivoting very rapidly to the payer market, pivoting rapidly to other areas, or essentially face running out of cash. And, and plus the, the game's changed completely in terms of fundraising. A lot of the fundraising now is based on your ability to show that you can sell into these organizations and that you have a run rate and you can continue to grow. And so I mirror those two together. And I guess my conversation, my question to you about this is, I'll stay high level with this because I know this kind of question could get you in trouble where you're at in your position, but are we going to see any more turnover than we have seen? It seems to me like every time I go to a conference, like a bunch of companies are gone and a bunch of companies are there. It's There's still a huge desire to be in healthcare. Here's the deal, Bill, private equity. Yeah, we're with you. We're for you from a growth perspective. And then all of a sudden that changed to when are you going to be profitable? What do you need to be profitable? So a lot of these healthcare startups and even some established ones cut costs, did what they needed to do to cut costs, change their projections. What is it going to take to get to a steady state or even a, a profitable state? And many of these private equity folks are not interested in funding anymore. Hey, we gave you 30 million, 50 million, whatever that might be or less. And you don't seem to be making any type of market penetration. Yes, you, you pivoted from provider to, to payer, but that doesn't seem to be working for you. They're, most folks are on the startups are drastically changing, maneuvering, all of that. And your sales cycle, it, COVID gave us a real quick sales cycle. That's gone. Prior to that, it was anywhere from six to 12 months. Now we're looking at 12 to 18 months, right? Depending on how much runway you have, depending on how much the equity folks are willing to fund and or be patient with you, is going to determine your outcome. We've seen reductions in force and we've seen quite a few go already. And I, I would expect to see that going forward. Uh, and we have to be careful because pivots take time. Right. We're like, oh, we're just going to pivot. Oh, seriously. Like, so you're going to go yeah. from selling to this market and you're going to do that in what amount of time? It does take some time. We're close to the end of our time here. We could talk security. I'll probably end up talking security with David Ting or, or Direct. So we can hold off on that. Uh, I do want to ask you about AI, APIs for healthcare. So there's a bunch of players out there. I'm curious who's winning today and who's going to win in 2020. So we have, you have Google, you have AWS, Oracle has some AIs, AI APIs, Microsoft Azure, you have our open AI, Meta's out there as well. You have some other players as well. Who's going to make the most progress in specifically in healthcare? I'll tell first I'll tell you who's going to win, Bill. Okay. We're going to win. Healthcare is going to win. Having these entities all going at each other to see who's going to be the best of the best is going to be very beneficial for us. 
And because of this competition, they can't black box any of this stuff. It's all open. It's there. You can actually understand what Google's doing. AWS, Azure, it's all freely there, freely available. And even we got to pay for it eventually, but, and they're taking our input where before it was, Hey, we know what healthcare needs and we build it for them. Right now they're actually taking our input. AWS is coming on pretty strong, but again, a lot of us are in Azure. Um, a lot of us are in AWS and then Google was pretty cutting edge on tech and they've done quite a bit to advance healthcare. So I'm going to say we're all going to win. And I'm going to say that because of these technologies that they're all producing, it's going to be easier for us to build things in their tech. Where before you had to have a, quite a high level of skill, the skill level is going to come down. And it's going to be something we can use. We just got to make sure that we do all the requisite from a security, compliance, and responsible and ethical use of data. We got to do all those things. And then we'll all be successful. I'm just going to agree with you. It's a political year. This is an election year. So yeah. Uh... I'm just going to agree with you. That was a really good answer. And I think there's a lot of truth to it as well. I think we're democratizing access to this technology. It is really advanced technology, but I think you look towards the middle to the end of this year, and I think you're going to see clinicians directly interacting with these AI models as a natural language front end. And the AI is going to be building out these complex, really cool things on the back end. And we're only going to be limited by our imagination, but it's not going to be what it used to be where it's, oh, we've got to put together a project. It's multi-million dollars. We've got to bring in data scientists. We've got to bring in programmers. We've got to bring in, oh, and if we're going to do the program on a mobile phone, we've got to, we need Android programmers and we need it literally, I think we're going to start seeing access to those things unlock to the frontline caregivers and people that normally would just look at something and say, that's going to be too hard. And I think now we're just going to unlock it. And I think you're going to see that start to happen this year. And I think it's going to really accelerate in 25. And I think we're all going to be winners. I agree with you. Looking forward to it. Charles, always great to start the year with you. And thanks for coming on the show. Hey, it was good to start the year in advance with you, Bill. Happy New Year to thanks. you and everyone. Yeah. And that is the news. If I were a CIO today, I think what I would do is I'd have every team member listening to a show just like this one and trying to have conversations with them after the show about what they've learned and what we can apply to our health system. If you want to support This Week Health, one of the ways you can do that is you can recommend our channels to a peer or to one of your staff members. We have two channels, This Week Health Newsroom and This Week Health Conference. You can check them out anywhere you listen to podcasts, which is a lot of places, Apple, Google, Overcast, Spotify, you name it, you can find it there. You can also find us on YouTube. And of course, you can go to our website, thisweekhealth.com. And we want to thank our Newsday partners, again, a lot of them, and we appreciate their participation in this show. Cedar sinai Accelerator, ClearSense, CrowdStrike, Digital Scientists, Optimum, Pure Storage, SureTest, TauSite, Lumion, and VMware who have invested in our mission to develop the next generation of health leaders. Thanks for listening. That's all for now.